Jesus Christ or the modern church has gone through some of the toughest periods in modern church history. But honestly, we have not really seen the end of it as yet because there are still the variants that are floating around. But never before have we the church faced such a challenge. And even the most committed church in the world and in Malaysia are facing a lot of challenges in terms of doing ministry during the pandemic and now during the endemic. Much as most of us would like to go back and live our lives the way we live our lives 24 months ago, much as what most of us would like to do, to go back to ministry and do ministry the way that we did 24 months ago. But honestly, we can never go back there. You are not the same person. The church is no longer the same church as it was 24 months ago. And so we face a real challenge to do ministry. For whatever reasons it may be. And that's why for today and also for next week, we are going to emphasize on rebuilding. Everybody say rebuilding. Rebuilding. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about rebuilding people in ministry. That's taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, Romans 12, verse 4 to 8. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, in the ESV, English Standard Version, it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Everybody say ministry. For building up. Everybody say building. For building up the body of Christ. So we are into this, what I call the rebuilding ministry. In, in some areas, we have to rebuild ministries again. We thank the Lord that the youth church, they have, you know, and, and the youth church, even before the pandemic, every year they have to rebuild the ministry. Some will say, hey, there's no growth, but that's not the case. Because the youth, you know, they are not stationary, they are not with us for life in that sense. Many of them will just, you know, year after year, we, we send out a lot of people for further studies, for work, and for other things. They have to rebuild their ministry every year. And praise the Lord, the, 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 our kids' church, for a long time during the pandemic, we were not able to, to, to have services because that's another uh, uh, group of people. But praise the Lord, today we are restarting the kids' church ministry. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. Today. And there are other ministries where, that we have to rebuild. Now, rebuilding is not a bad thing. In fact, it is an opportunity. As somebody says, you know, do not be afraid to start over again. Because it gives us an opportunity to build To do it right this time if we have gone wrong before. So we are building and we are believing the Lord that we are built better. Rebuilding is part of life. Many of you in your lives, you have been so affected by the pandemic, by the COVID-19. And literally, many of you have to start from scratch again. Some of you have lost almost everything. 
And you have to rebuild your life, your family, your, your, your uh, business, your work, your career. It's not a bad thing. In fact, it is necessary. It is important in life to rebuild and rebuild and rebuild because the other alternative is to give up altogether. But we are excited that we are into this rebuilding phase of the ministry in this church. It is not all doom and gloom. No, it is something exciting. God is going to do a new work in our midst. Somebody shout a loud amen. It is something that we have not expected. The church has never gone through this kind of thing. But I don't think that God is caught by surprise at all. He is preparing the church. He is rebuilding the church in a new way, in an exciting way. So we are not discouraged. We are not despaired at all. In fact, but what William Carey says, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Somebody say, Amen. Because we are into this new era. And I don't know, frankly, what God has in store for his church. But he is rebuilding his church. God wants us to rebuild. Everybody in the chat, you know, online, type in the chat group and say, Rebuild. Everybody say, rebuild. Question is, how are we going to rebuild? First of all, we have to rebuild through the calling. To recognize that every believer actually is a minister. And we have to live in that calling. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says here, Paul reminds us, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The word you is not in the singular. It's not just talking to one person. The word you there is in the plural. So Paul is not talking to just certain people in the church of Ephesians. He's talking to the whole church. There's you. You have been called. God has called each and every one of you in the church in Ephesians. Walk in that manner that is worthy. Remember your calling. In other words, he's saying, every single one of you have been called by God. Ephesians 4, 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. There's a purpose of God. What God is doing, leadership-wise, church-wise, and all that, what? for the work of ministry. And that's what he has called each one of us into. But our problem is the word ministry. When we talk about ministry, what comes into your mind? How do you define ministry? Some of us tend to think about ministry as well. Kids, church ministry, youth ministry, Men's ministry, seniors' ministry, it is a department of the church, part of the organization. Some of us think about ministry as well, it is only for the super elite, the super spiritual group who have been called by God and they are known as pastors, missionaries, and full time workers. It's only for the full time workers. Yeah, they do ministry, definitely. 
the word ministry is not confined to them alone. It's not only for the full-time minister. So what do you understand by the word ministry? The word ministry comes from the Greek word diakonia, which means to serve. So when you say to minister, what does it mean? Yeah, that's the basic meaning, to serve. God has called us into the ministry. That means he has called us to serve. And if you are serving, you are already in the ministry. So it's not limited to the super spiritual group, especially the, the elite group that got called into full-time ministry alone. That has been the traditional understanding of many churches. Another word for ministry is actually dulos or, or dulo. That means serve as a servant. Huh, that is even more specific. Serve as a servant. There's no greater privilege for us to serve than to serve as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are born servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Yeah. And Jesus set for us the example, the model for serving. The model for ministry. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus says, Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve. That's our calling, my brothers, my sisters. Not to be served. But that's how the modern church has been brought up with a consumer mentality. We expect a group of people to serve us. But Jesus says, I did not come for that purpose. I come to serve each and every one. Everyone who is called by God becomes servants of God and there's no greater privilege than to serve God. And that is what He requires of us. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12. And now, what does the Lord ask of you? What does the Lord ask of you? Serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's what we have been called into to serve. And that's what Paul affirmed even up to his dying days in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value. Life is worthless, he says, except for this one fact. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that's our calling. The beauty of Christianity, as somebody have said, is that believers have been redeemed for a reason, converted to a cause, and saved to serve. We are saved to serve. I like it. I like what Bill Hybel say concerning serving the Lord. Nothing can be compared to the thrill of serving God, of truly being used by Him to make an eternal difference in the lives of people and advancing His purposes in the world. Friends, serving God is a real privilege and I tell you, it's the most fulfilling thing 
in your life. Somebody say a loud amen. Truly, it is not with drudgery, it is not with heavy heart, but God has called us to minister. Every one of us, we have the calling to be a minister, to serve the true and the living God. What a joy, what a privilege. For what purpose do we do it? Of course, for the proclamation, all right, of the gospel. So what is, who is a minister? What is a minister? All right, ministry is basically, you know, just serving God for His glory, where He has places, where He has places, according to the gift that He has given us for the proclamation of the gospel and also for the building of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.12 says, for building up the body of Christ. Now, the body of Christ here refers to the church, one of the names of the church. The, 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 the word ecclesia or church appears 114 times and the uh, body of Christ is, refers to the church. So, so, so why, why do we serve? Why has God called every one of us to be a minister? So that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, we are all bodybuilders. Bodybuilders, not just your muscle here, all right? Not just to build your muscle. All those who go to the gym, especially all go to the gym, every time you run on that treadmill or do that uh, uh, weightlifting or whatever, remember you're a bodybuilder, not just on your own body, but the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on. Type in the chat group and say, I am a bodybuilder. preacher once preached in a very energetic church, very energetic. Everything you say, they will respond. So the preacher says, I believe that our church will see the day when we will move from crawling to walking. And then the, all the congregation says, let the church walk, preacher. Let the church walk. And then the preacher says, I believe that the next thing that we will see is we will move from walking to running. And the people responded and said, let the church run, preacher. Let the church run. And the preacher continues. After the running, the church is going to soar. It's going to soar high. And every body responded, let the church soar, preacher. Let the church soar. And then the preacher says, but in order for the church to soar, it will require commitment from each and every one of you. The church went dead quiet and silent when it comes to the commitment part. And then somebody from the back began to mumble and say, let the church crawl, preacher. Let the church crawl. Is that what we want for our church? No, we don't want the church to crawl. We want the church to soar, especially in these last days. And it can do so if every one of us recognize that we have been called as a minister of God to build the body of Christ let every one of us say, I am a bodybuilder. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. The second thing that's required is the gifting. 
You see, God does not just call you, but He has gifted each and every one of us. Every minister, every believer has a gift. You not only recognize and live in your calling, but you use your spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts appear in four major portions in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Romans chapter 12. And there are at least 20 gifts that are listed there. They are not exhaustive at all. But at least you have an idea. Go back and read all, all, all these passages of Scripture. But one common theme, one common word that's used in all these passages on spiritual gifts is the word each one. Look at it. First Peter, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, to each one. Everybody say each one. All right, the each one includes you, 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 all of us. All right, each one of us, grace was given according to Christ's gift. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employed it in serving one another. And then Romans chapter 12, verse 3 and verse 6, it says here, As God has allotted to each a measure of faith, each of us must exercise them, the gifts, accordingly. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So you find that God is emphasizing in His Word that every single one of us whom He has called to serve is gifted. God, as somebody says, God does not call those who are qualified. But He qualifies those whom He calls. He equips those whom He calls. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And, and this equipping is so unique. Each one of us has a gift. Tailor-made specially for you. It's just like when you go into the shop, and you want to make a suit for yourself. The guy doesn't just take any suit and say this. I think this will fit you. Take it. No. He takes your measurement. Stretch out your hand. Your measure. All right. From arm to arm, you measure your waist. You measure your chest. You know. And uh, the length and everything. And after that, it says, okay, you can come back in two weeks' time. And then we'll do the testing. You know, see whether the suit fits you. And it, you know, it's, 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 it's not even done yet until you come for the fitting. And then, then after that, he goes another round. And, and then, especially to fit you. Especially to fit you. Then say, okay, your suit will be ready maybe in about two weeks' time. You go and collect, and voila! Wow, the suit just fits you. Because it's measured according to you. And somebody else may not fit it. He may not fit somebody else. If it's only you. My suit here, I must confess, it's not tailor-made. Huh? It's not custom-made. It's bought off the shelf. But if it's me, right? Okay, you know. It doesn't fit. It will not fit Pastor uh, uh, Michael. It will not fit Nick or any others. If it's only me. 
somebody about the same size as mine, my body, it may fit you, but it's not custom made. But when God gives a gift, it is custom made for you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's custom made, tailor made for you. It's meant to fit you and you are meant to fit it. So don't compare with others. How come that person has this? How come I? No. You move. You use your spiritual gifting. And they're so special for each and every one of us. Now, how do you discover that spiritual gift? Somebody I've said as well, like Rick Warren is very popular in his uh, purpose-driven church. He gave us shape. He says, according to your shape, all right? So what is shape? That is an acronym. How do you discover your spiritual gifts uh, or, 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 or where God wants you to serve and all that? It says, according to spiritual gifts, S, according to your heart, your passion, according to your abilities, natural abilities, your personality, your experiences. Now, this is a good guide for us. But I believe the power behind it all is the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? To recognize our power for ministry, it lies, brothers and sisters, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is very clear about this. Where, who is the source of the gift? It is the power of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to verse 8. It says here, to each one, again, as we have gone through that scripture, to each one is given the manifestation. It is a manifestation of what? The Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit. So where do you get all these gifts? Through the Spirit. So how do you operate all these gifts? It's through the Holy Spirit. Shape is very good, all right, to, to help us to discover certain things. But I believe that if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, if you seek the empowerment and the guided, guidance of the Holy Spirit, He will just break through you. He will use you. Sometimes He's already using you and you don't even know it. Surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit. Seek for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Seek to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says to each one of us, He has given gifts. We talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last week, we, you know, we celebrated Easter. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, it tells us to each one, He has given us a measure of grace, the measure of His gifts. Ephesians 4, 7. But Ephesians 4, 8 tells us, therefore, the Bible, the scripture says, after Christ has ascended, what happened? Ephesians 4.8 After He has ascended, He gave gifts. What did the resurrected Christ do for His people? He gave gifts. How many of you like to receive gifts? Hallelujah. And that's what the resurrected Christ gave for each and every one of us. You are not left empty-handed. Christ gave all the church. Christ gave. There's a bonus to his church. Every kind of gifts in order that we will be effective 
in the proclamation of the gospel that souls may be saved and in the building of the body of Christ. So use your spiritual gifts. There are so many areas of needs in the church. And some of you, when you came in, you have received this leaflet. If you have not, when you leave this place, please pick up a copy of this. There are various ministries and various areas there. So many areas. Whether it be in the worship and AV, services, follow-up network, kids' church, life care, online ministry. We need to rebuild in all these various areas of ministries. And God has granted various gifts to each one of us. Use it for His glory. Oh, there's so much more that I'd like to share. For those who are online, all right, you can, you can just respond also by just going into our website that says gladtidings.mind slash volunteer. And all that you need is to just recognize the gifting, the passion that God has placed in your heart. The Holy Spirit is leading you into. And you can respond by just filling in, give us your name, the contact number, and the ministry. That's all that is needed. It's very fast, very simple. And as you pray about it, those who are here physically, so good to see each one, so many of you here, can just fill in and then drop it into the box as you go outside. But we'll continue on this emphasis here and also for next week. You see, the thing about service is it will build your life. The Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, it, both are being fed by the same river, the Jordan River. But the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life, with fishes. But the Dead Sea, as the name suggests, is dead, barren, no life. What's the difference? The key is this. For the Sea of Galilee, there is an outlet. Water flows in from the Jordan River and it flows out. And there is life. For the Dead Sea, there is no outlet. Water flows in, evaporate, that's all. And if you wonder, a life that is fruitful, a life that is powerful. Friends, you need an outlet. If there is no outlet, you become like the Dead Sea. You are always receiving, receiving, receiving. You can attend a thousand and one Bible seminars, courses, but if you don't give out, it's dead. But just like the Sea of Galilee, you receive. And then you, there is an outlet for you to serve. There is an outlet for you to minister to people and unto God. Then you'll find that your life is fruitful. It is blooming. It is meaningful. It is powerful. And the power of God continues to manifest in and through your life. Otherwise, you'll be just like the Dead Sea. Stagnant. No life. Let me ask you, are you the Dead Sea 
Or are you the Sea of Galilee? Where life is stinging. I must close with this text here in John chapter 21. Friends, this is a text that really gripped my heart. I wept over this text. We talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what did he do when he, when he rose from the dead? Yeah, he spent 40 days with the disciples. And one of the most touching accounts is found in John chapter 21, verse 15 to verse 25. He appeared to many people at different times and all that, but this time, here, he had a one-to-one -one talk with Peter. You go back and read that scripture for, for yourself. I don't have the, the time to go through. But there was a big cache of fish already, and they had had their breakfast. And then, the Lord Jesus Christ spent time alone with Peter. The part of the conversation I wish that we have, we have uh, uh, access to, but we don't know what they talk about. But this is very clear. And privately, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than all these things? The resurrected Christ asking Peter that pointed question, do you love me? Jesus could have asked a question, Peter, why did you deny me? Peter, what happened to you? But Jesus did not ask that. In this one-to-one -one interview and dialogue, the Lord Jesus could have asked, Peter, what's your qualification to serve me? Do you have a doctorate degree? How's your personality? Are you that bubbly people attract, uh, are attracted to you kind of personality? Of all the questions that Jesus could ask, there's only one thing that matters. Peter, do you love me? You see, this is the basic of all ministry. All the other things may be important. But Jesus asked only one question. And he asked it three times. If you talk about ministry, this is the most basic of it all. He's the very cross of the matter. Peter, you know that he, ha he has failed. And in this passage, we, we are not talking about restoration of relationship with Jesus. That is done already. But we are talking about restoration to ministry. We are talking about Jesus rebuilding the ministry of Peter. Because he felt an entire failure. He has denied the Lord three times. But to Jesus... The important question is, do you love me? Many times, we love the titles, the big sounding names to the ministry. Now, many times, we ask the people, are you a people lover? 
Jesus did not, did not, Jesus did not ask a question, do you love people? If we serve God because we love people, it may take us a bit so far. But we become people pleasers. It is important to love people, yes. But the most basic of it all is to love God. Love God. I've been serving the Lord for 45 years now. And this morning, I have to ask the question. I have to consider the question that Jesus asked. Do you love me? After 45 years, I say, yes, Lord. And there's a reason why we are in the ministry. All of us, there's a reason why we serve. Not just for the sake of other people, not even for glad tidings. We serve because we love God. The worship team, they come 7 o'clock in the morning when people are still resting and sleeping at home. The AV people, oh, when something goes wrong, everybody look at them. Right now, that's the first reaction. But oh, you know what kind of struggles they go through. And yet all of us, we can say we love God. Brothers and sisters, love is a very powerful thing. It causes a sick mother to wake up in the middle of the night to take care of a crying baby. It causes a man to work three jobs in order to support the family that he loved. And it is because of the love of Jesus Christ that we serve. And we continue to serve in spite of all kinds of adversity. Ministry is not going to be easy. It's going to be very challenging. But we do it. Why? Because we heard the question of our master who asked us, do you love me? I pray that all of us will let that grip our heart. That is the basic of all ministries. Love for God. You sign up, you do it. Why? I love you, Jesus. I love you. And if you love God, listen to what he says next. Peter says, I love you, Lord. And many times we go into the Greek language, you know, and we use, many preachers used to say, well, actually, you know, Greek, there is the agape, there is a filial, different kind of love. But God is not playing a game word, a, a word game with Peter. Peter is not a scholar at all. It's just a basic idea of loving God. That's all. And the Lord says, Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. Love must have an expression. Love is not just bottled up here inside your heart. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And you sing about love for God. But where is the expression? Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. It must find expression in some form of service and ministries in the kingdom of God. 
That's why God is calling each one of us. You cannot say that you love God and stay isolated. Peter could have just rolled down on the beach and said, Lord, I love you and I will just serve you by sitting down here, you know, praising you because of the sunset, sunrise and the beautiful sea. He could go up to the mountain, isolate himself. No, Peter, if you love me, feed my lands. And that's the reason why our kids' church ministries and teachers, kids' church ministries, when they are so tired, week after week serving even rowdy kids running here and there and yet they still keep on serving because they have heard the call of Jesus feed my lands that's the reason why every one of us who have heard the call of Jesus and say yes Lord I love you that's why they push themselves to visit the sick to care for the orphans to serve in the worship team and various other ministries. When all others have given up, they heard the word of Jesus. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. That's what grips our heart. Pandemic or no pandemic, Lockdown or no lockdown, we keep coming into the presence of God, into the presence of the body of believers and say, let me serve you. I love Jesus. Let me serve you. There's a need in this area. Let me feel that need. Let me feed the lambs and the sheep of God. Peter learned that lesson very well. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, in writing to the elders, he says, Be shepherds over the flock that God has called you to care for, to oversee. And then Peter, hearing all of this, he said, Yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus was walking away. Peter followed behind. And then suddenly Peter looked back. Peter looked back. In serving the Lord, many times we try to look back. We look back into our past. We look back into our failures. We look back into our inadequacies. And we stop us in our track. Instead of looking forward, following Jesus into the future that He has for us. We look back. And what did Peter see? He saw John. He saw John. Can you just imagine Peter in the presence of the resurrected Lord? It is the most defining moment for any guy, for any girl. I would have been so thrilled to be in front of Jesus and just following my resurrected Lord. But Peter looked back. And you know what was in his mind? He asked Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What about this man? We tend to compare our Lord with other people's Lord. 
our responsibilities, our service and ministry with others. The Lord Jesus has already told Peter, Peter, when you are young, you dress yourself and you go wherever you want, you to, you want to go. But when you are old, you stretch out your hands and others will take you where you do not want to go. Jesus already indicated to Peter the kind of death that he was going to die, stretching out of hands. And indeed, history tells us Peter was crucified upside down. During the reign of Nero in the year 68 AD, that was his Lord. There will be a price to the ministry. Each one of us will have to pay a different price for it. But God is still in control and God will use us. When you grow old, people will do to you. People will lead you where you do not want to go. And many of us who have grown older, literally, we know what that means. It's gripping our heart. But God will still lead us as He led Peter. But Peter was not satisfied. What about that man? And Jesus says, If I wish he to remain till I come, what is that to you? Don't worry about him. How I'm using him, what his final destiny will be. Don't compare yourself with yourself. And then Jesus gave the final words, but you follow me. Are we hearing it? But you, Peter, keep your eyes on me and follow me. Hallelujah. Let's come in our lives to follow Jesus Christ. Let's keep on focusing on Jesus and Jesus alone. Please stand with me right now. Hallelujah. Church. As I went over this passage in John 21, I wept and I wept. It's God speaking to me. And I pray that God will speak to you as well this morning. Do you know that God has called you? Do you know that God has gifted you? Do you know that God wants to use you? Do you know that God will lead you and guide you? Do you know that God wants to make you a fruitful person? You can have an impact in your life and ministry. And the good news is all of us qualify. You don't need a theological degree. If you can get one, that's good. But hey, Jesus asked only one question. Do you love me? Do you love me? All of us who love him, let's respond to him right now. And say, yes, Lord, I love you. I will feed your sheep. I will take care of the lambs. I will take care of, Lord, whatever ministry that you have laid upon my heart. I commit 
myself to follow you and to serve you all the days of my life. Let's do that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is touching you right now. Right here in this congregation. You know, right here in the house of the Lord. And even online. Oh, come. Let us just respond to call of God right now. And say yes to Jesus Christ. I will do something to reach the lost. I will do something, dear Lord, to build your church. Here am I. Use me, dear God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. And then I'll pray for you all. unto the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I surrender my life. Use me, dear Lord. Live in me, Lord. I love you, dear Lord. Let your love express itself in and through me, dear God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Surrender your life. Surrender your future. Just follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Our resurrected Savior who has given his all for us. Heavenly Father, we just live our hearts and our lives to you even right now, dear Father. I thank you, dear Lord, that you, Lord Jesus, you rose again from the dead. And Lord, in the resurrection, you have given gifts to your people and you have called each one of us, dear Lord, to be your ministers, dear Lord. And so, Lord, take these lives, I pray. Those who are still, dear Lord, uninvolved. Those who are still sitting on the face. Those, dear Lord, who desire, Lord, in their heart for you to use them. Fill each and every one of us, dear Lord. And today, dear God, I pray that this love, dear Lord, will be put into action by us dedicating ourselves to serve you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Fill each one of us, Lord, even with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, that wherever we go, dear Lord, we are live to serve you. Bless your people, I pray, even right now, 
in the powerful and most glorious name of Jesus, we ask and we pray and the people of God say, Amen. 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 So for those of you who like to respond online to this uh, 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 call to serve, you know, right, to rebuilding, please visit our website, gladtidings.my, stroke volunteer. And those of you who have filled in the form, can just drop in at the, at the back as you go out. The Lord bless you. The Lord be with you. And those who are online, you need prayer, visit all right, uh, uh, our uh, Zoom prayer room and there will be people praying for you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. The Lord be with you.